The following podcast is brought to you by cdkoffers.com. Use offer code DIESHRING for 3% off everything on the website and Broken Silicon for 25% off all Windows codes. All right, on with the show. Welcome to Broken Silicon, a gaming hardware podcast. I am your host, Jingle Bells Tom, and I am joined by Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer Dan. I don't know. You don't have a particularly red nose. I don't, but that's the first Christmas song that came to my head, so that's what we're going okay. with. Okay, well. I guess we'll tolerate it. So this is, you know, part one of 12 years of PC gaming. I mean, it's it, it's funny. I think it's almost become like a, <laughs> a repetitive thing to mention. But like, when do you really say Moore's Law is Dead became real? For me, I think I took it seriously when I first did that 10 years of PC gaming series. I think it was in March of 2019. I, I honestly don't remember. It was like, maybe it was February actually when it started. Maybe ended in March. And, and that's where I just got the inspiration to kind of like look back before really going deep into my channel at all the things in the past decade. Now, of course, I've been PC gaming for really 20 yeah, years forever, or more. But, but. <laughs> I mean, like we had PC, I played games on PC before I owned any console. Um, like a lot of people on this channel. But I would say, you know, now not 10 years ago, but 12 years ago, you know, in the 2009 and later time frame around there, uh, maybe even 2008, that that's when I started taking it very seriously. And certainly by 2011, I was like, you know, moderator, helping people build PCs on Tom's hardware, really, really into it. Um, you know, especially when I was in college and you were in high school, Dan. Yeah. Um, so that's why this is called 12 years. You know, this the first series was 10 years at the beginning of 2019. Then at the end of 2019, we did 11 years. And uh, no matter how you dice it, we're around 12 years of... Uh, yeah, this year has seemed like about 10 years. So, yeah. Yeah, not just for hardware, but certainly for hardware, I think so, more so than a lot of other subjects which i'm i'm a bit concerned that people forget this too with i was talking to paul from not an apple fan the other day and he was like oh views seem to be going down right now and i'm like yeah they always look i i'll speak for myself and other channels i follow i notice views tend to go down a bit right in the november december region re, uh, region not not just by the way for pc hardware but for a lot of different types of like news oriented you know there's a reason like john oliver and bill maher and all these other news focused uh shows take a break during the holiday season they need the break yeah but also i think people just get tired of reading news whether hardware or <laughs> not so much fun subjects <laughs> that have been dominating the news and so i think i was telling paul you know you, maybe that didn't happen to you last year but you can't beat yourself up i think it's just time to take a bit of a break and I don't know. That's kind of what we do when we also put out this series that we record most of it ahead of time. Um, looking back at the end of the previous year and then at this year. Yeah, and I don't know. I, it's also, especially this week in America, everyone, 
most people with their were with their families. I unfortunately was not, but it's just yes, people take a break that tend to just take a break from everything this week. And I don't know, the subsequent weeks leading up to like Christmas even are a lot more low key than usual. Yeah, sure. I should say that you're not quite back home with the family in Illinois yet. You are still being a research teacher boy up there in Massachusetts. Uh, although when this comes out, you when this comes out, you should just about be arriving in Illinois. Uh yes, I yeah, that sounds right. You're you're recording this before you join us. Uh yeah, I because um uh, of restrictions, they're like trying to make the school kind of a pseudo bubble, so um no one's really supposed to leave or exit the town until like eight week for undergrads hiatus where no one's supposed to be there. And for grad students, it's a little weirder, but essentially they if you leave they don't want you to come back for a while (laughs) well i mean this is uh part one we we will be answering a lot of recent reader mails and talking about some of the recent releases but this one mostly focuses on and we did of course you know we have pages of notes ahead of time that we put together looking at what was going on at the end of 2019 and early 2020 and i think it's it's actually it's actually really interesting. Let me let me first read this uh, this the kind of opening reader mail here. So TSPCFS writes in and says, "Why, Tom, are you not supporting this great holiday that is Black Friday with a discount on Patreon and not last year either? This celebration of consumerism and is in need of your support." So I do believe Patreon does some weird Black Friday. Of course, they don't force or support it themselves a Black Friday <laughs> discount. They're just like, hey, why don't you do a discount on Black Friday? And I mean, I mean, I know this was a joke comment, but the way I look at it is, look, I think you support a Patreon because you want to make sure that there's more of the content you either enjoy or think is important. And it just, you want to make sure it keeps getting made. And I think that's why you support it, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, I, I think... And it is a little bit unfortunate, right? I think one reason some people may support that is there is always this drop-off. Like, you know, whereas with normal jobs, you know, or should I say more white-collar salary jobs, you usually get Christmas bonuses and it's usually an easier December. For creators, just so everyone knows, there's usually a drop-off in views on YouTube and in supporters on Patreon. So I guess I will say that, you know, there's a reason we put out at least I do. I can't speak for everyone else. Some people just disappear for months on YouTube, it feels like. But there's a reason I keep the content coming over December. It's both because I enjoy making it, obviously. And I do think this is an important reflective look back at this year before we start the new one. But it's also because I want to make sure you guys keep getting content over the holiday season while you're driving, uh, which is, you know, to say podcasts that you can listen to, mm-hmm. you know, as, as opposed to videos. And just to make sure that we keep getting the support, because uh, there's usually a huge cliff in support during December, which is always a little hard for creators. So, again, I was talking to Paul about it and others. It is a bit hard on creators during the holiday season in terms of this is usually when we get the least amount of support. Yeah. Which I, I get, by the way. I want to be clear. I get why that's happening. People are saving money for presents. and so. But I, but I guess a long-winded way of me saying we really do appreciate the people that continue to support us through the holidays if you can afford it and uh that's why we keep putting out the content for you that do keep supporting us yeah and like the content is going to be like less news focused over this month but i think it's important to at least try to put out something over the month of december to keep support up this is a new episode that i think 
some of the subjects that we cover, I, I actually do think it's important. I really think it puts everything like so. If you're someone who follows Moore's Law's Dead and maybe some other tech tuber channels, and you know, it's easy to, and I don't mean this in a like a derogatory way, lose perspective. It, it I'm saying it is. I do sometimes. It is easy to lose perspective, especially lately with how much tech news is coming out you can forget just how much things have changed and you know if you're one of those people and i see this in the comments all the time oh i'm re- i really think i've become smarter about tech purchases and following gaming in the past year because of you know yours and maybe other platforms i think it is important to also look back to keep that intelligence because we're about to get into the things people were talking about and predicting at the beginning of this year it's not even so much about being wrong so much as it is. It was emphasizing entirely different things than you might remember. Yeah, especially with COVID happening. It's just a- everything was thrown into question this year in a way that I don't think people people aren't used to. And it altered things in ways I don't think people would have expected. Like, I don't think anyone in 2019 during a pandemic would have predicted that a pandemic that causes massive job loss would have actually driven up desire to purchase uh purchase uh like computers consoles graphics cards but that's what happened yeah and this we don't want to focus on that too much because actually if you think about it this episode mostly focuses on the stories before covid (laughs) but anyways the first thing i want to touch on is kind of the intel and amd you know versus rumors that were going on late 2019 and early 2020 and there, there will be links in the description it's it's very clear to me that even at the end of 2019 and early, I mean, now it's obvious. Everyone's talking about Intel like they're a dead company yeah. in some circles. But at the even as early as the beginning of 2020, people were acting like Intel's kind of the underdog looking back at these stories. And, and even at the beginning of this year, it was clear to everyone that TSMC is just the kingmaker. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, the kingmaker of silicon companies. Yeah, I mean, TSMC, I, I'm trying to think, like it probably would have been mid-last year that TSMC really started to prove that they were the dominant force in, PC, in uh, the semiconductor industry. And that's just become more and more evident as this year has progressed. Uh, I was doing a lot of videos late last year that were basically saying something to the effect of putting AMD's lead in perspective and like AMD's victory lap around themselves. Mm-hmm. And again, I the reason I bring these up is because I think it's funny how now no one argues with you when you say stuff like that. But back then, I think people forget that, well, Intel was seen as the underdog by a lot of people. There were still a lot of people arguing that AMD wasn't a shoe in to win, though. Yeah. I think what's interesting, I think, I guess, so I guess what I'm saying is with all of this kind of rambling here is people saw Intel as the underdog, but I don't think they saw how obvious it was it was a sure thing that they weren't just the underdog. They were just out of the question for a couple of years, which we now know for sure. Like, cause, cause I think when you look at Zen One, which took the efficiency crown, even in gaming, by the way, and brought eight cores for half the price, if not less than half the price of Intel to desktop. And then, I mean, just even with Zen 1 Threadripper, I would argue the HEDT argument ended for 90% of people. And Zen Plus with its 32 core made it uh, hilarious. But then AMD just launches Zen 2 Threadripper at the end of 
last year, and now it's 64 cores or you know 30, you know 32 and 48 cores with the same IPC and gaming performance as their desktop chips. I mean, it was. I mean, I mean, yeah. I said thread. My take on Threadripper 3000 was AMD's victory lap around themselves, where they're literally like positioning Zen Plus at the bottom, then Zen Two, then Zen Plus Threadripper, and then they were saying above that, and they did so in pricing is Zen Two Threadripper. Like, and yet I still find it funny how so many people were like, "Well, Intel's about to hit back." I'm like, "No, they're they're five tiers below AMD, guys." Well, I think it became very clear. I would say this summer that uh, that uh, Intel was in a losing position for the next couple of years when Comet Lake came out and it was just like meagerly better at gaming than stuff that they already had. And then AMD, like two weeks later, put out a refresh of their Zen 2. And I think that's when it became very evident to everyone that, no, AMD really was the do- uh, dominant force in the CPU space. And they probably will be for at least two or three years. And I think now with the 5,000 series coming out, it's even more obvious. Like, well, it's undeniable with the 5,000 series. You know, one thing I want to bring up too is I-, I think people look at what's going on now with prices, you know, like Zen 3 is a little more expensive than Zen 2, depending on what you're going for. Because yeah, you, you could argue the 5950X is negligibly more expensive. <laughs> it's not even 10% more expensive than the 3950X and it gives you 20%, 30% more performance, but depending on the app you're using. But you know, back, I remember in 2019, you already started to see a bit of a, see, see you know, this is what's really interesting me to me is I remember at the end of 2019, I put out this video, Gamers Forgotten Well Creators Rejoice, the 2019 PC Enthusiast Divide. And it was a creator master race guy on a yacht or something going, this is great. I have so I have 16 threads for almost no money compared to before. And then like someone in the ocean drowning saying, all I wanted was a six core for $150, which we, can, we don't need to get into why <laughs> things were still pretty good back then, to be honest. But I think you were already seeing this disconnect, though, where people were asking for more. But then other gamers were like, can we just get better prices? Because I'm not really sure why people were asking for more. I would argue since Zen Plus, since you could get an 8-core 2700X for $300 that played every game at 120 hertz, what were you even asking for anymore for gaming? Well, yeah, for gaming, mostly what you wanted, yeah, like Zen Plus was just better single-thread performance, which they finally really delivered that this year. But um yeah, that's really all you needed. You don't need a 16 core, at least at this point, the game. I mean, obviously, as you've said previously, it, it, it certain games do utilize those cores, but it's not really necessary. <laughs> yeah, and I, I just think it's funny how so many people now are acting like, oh man, Zen 2 were the good old days. And, you know, but it's like, yeah, you know, you guys forget. Last year, there were still plenty of people saying it wasn't a big deal for gaming. Yeah. Just like now, guys. Yeah, and it's like, what do you want? I mean, I I think there's also this weird thing where it seems like gamers have the desire to make their PCs like borderline HEDT right now, where it's just, you don't need that. You can just, you can get a CPU that's in the middle of the product stack right now. And that's fine for your uses, sure. Or the bottom. Or, yeah, or the bottom. 
It's not like before where you got a dual core i3 at the bottom. Yeah, and I I think um, to some extent it's people have been conditioned like, oh, well, I need to get the best thing even though you don't need it. Just spend $300 on that bottom of their newest product stack uh, CPU and you'll be fine for years to come. Yeah, I mean... (sighs) I think, and and this is something I, and again, it's funny looking back on this in kind of a reflective way. This was something that I brought up a lot early this year and late last year was this drive or, and I don't mean this as negatively as you usually mean. I suppose it's a negative word no matter what, but this entitlement to thinking you get to have like a 24 core PC for under two grand, like. I I think people forget that the only, I think people saw all these creators and tech tubers with these Zen one and Zen plus thread rippers in 2017 and 2018. And certainly in the beginning of 2019. And they said, well, you know what? It kind of makes sense. You know, the eight core 2700 X is like three, like when it first came out, I believe it was like 300 to 350. It kind of dropped in price pretty quickly, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, and then they looked at like eight or $900, whatever it was for the 16 core Zen plus. And they went, yeah, but look for under a thousand, I can have 16 cores and that's Intel is even really making CPUs with that many core counts. And it's this cheap and it's amazing. And I am entitled to have that. And I think people forget no one was ever entitled to have that many cores for under a thousand dollars. The reason that happened was that AMD truly was not holding all of the performance crowns. And there were some major trade-offs to those CPUs. Like you, It's not like now, and, and from what I'm hearing about Zen 3 Threadripper, by the way, guys, I mean, it sounds like it will straight up game as well as the top AM4 <laughs> Zen 3s, if not possibly better because of how much higher it's boosting than Zen 2 Threadripper to the point where well, yeah, maybe all core boost isn't higher than AM4, but when you have 32 cores, you can certainly pick eight that <laughs> boost higher out of them, right, than the 5950X does. And so I, I just think it's worth pointing out. I just think people forget that the, the reasons those early Threadrippers were so cheap is because they were competing with an Intel that had something to compete with, and there were major trade-offs for gaming. And I mean, again, this is always the argument I made. Look, for $550, you get a 5900X. That's better than any of the Zen 1 and Zen Plus 16 cores. I mean, heck, I, I, I'm sure in some multi-threaded apps, the 12 core Zen 3, I haven't checked you know, today, but is better than the like 24 core Zen Plus Threadripper in a lot of multi-threaded apps. I mean, that wouldn't surprise me. Like you said, there were a lot of, there were a lot of trade-offs with those, uh, those early Threadrippers. Like, I don't remember exactly, but like Zen One Threadripper gamed way worse than their top, uh, like twenty percent. Yeah, it's sometimes more. Th- now, now that uh, deficiency is pretty much close to gone with Zen Two a Threadripper. It was pr- almost gone with Threadripper on Zen Two, and yeah, I would expect that it's going to be pretty much completely gone with Zen Three Threadripper, if not an advantage for Zen Three. Yeah, maybe because of its boosting. Yeah, and. I think people have also grown used to over the past three years an increase in core counts generation over generation where there's not a reason to increase core counts anymore. And they're probably going to stay here for a little bit, at least. I mean, 
I don't know, maybe Zen 4 will increase core counts again, but... It will. In fact, from what I've heard, I forgot. I, I don't want to get yeah. into it because I'm sure I'll do like a Zen 4 leak video early 2021, <laughs> if not late this year, who knows? No, they're, they're, I've always, I've said since the beginning of this year that all info points to higher core counts and I just have more info. I mean, I don't have it pulled up, but guys, yeah, Zen 4 is increasing core counts again. But it's just for consumers, I don't think that's, I don't think uh, consumer desktops are really need it that much. Well, yeah, and I think, I'm trying to think too, like of what's going on with this like core count discussion because I don't know, I, I guess what I'm saying is, Let's get through this, actually. Let me read this reader mail before we get into another discussion. So Brandon B. writes in and he says, I like to think that 2020 was a year that brought in a lot of members to the gaming community and more PC builders, too. It's one of the only silver linings from the pandemic that I can think of. And, you know, I I have to add on to, or, or should I say concur with what Brandon B. is saying here. I remember late 2019, there were all these articles, PS4 sales down. At least, you know, console sales were down as they prepared, as demand was preparing for the next-gen consoles. I don't think sales were down in do-it-yourself PC market. I think they were up. Um, But this year, console sales, even throughout the summer, were up. Even last-gen console sales. And so I would say that there's no way around it. I think at first, people penny-pinched a bit around March and April. There were actually some pretty good deals on components back then. And and didn't buy anything new. Everyone was watching Netflix and just trying to make sense of what was going on. But no, no. By the end of summer, I think people were tired of watching stuff and realized they just want to catch up on gaming. Yeah, I I, I agree. Um, and I think just demand for things to play with in general. After people realized that most people realized that this probably wasn't the end of the world for them or people that were in a financially stable position. Uh, yeah, just wanted to start buying stuff after the initial panic, wave of panic uh, went past them. Yeah, and I, I no, I think this is an interesting point, though, and I see this listening to some other gaming podcasts sometimes from Reader Mails on there as well. He goes, it's one of the silver linings is growing the gaming community. Is it a good thing if the gaming community grows? I'm not saying it's not, but I've never, I and, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm saying this not, I have no dog in this fight. I'm just literally asking because I've never thought of it as good or bad if a community that's already huge grows. And I see that all the time, right? Ooh, getting more people into Star Wars, getting more people into Dungeons and Dragons, getting more people into, you know, this or that. Like for gaming, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever thought of it in terms of it's good if there's more of us. I think you're seeing right now is, is it good there's more of us? Because you're not getting a lot of the products you wanted that you could get last year. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely something to that. Um, I think... But I don't know if it's good or bad necessarily. I mean, we're already past the critical mass where like gaming is definitely not not a niche thing anymore. Like we got past that point well over a decade ago. Well, probably two decades ago. And I don't know. It's not seen as some nerdy thing really anymore. Um, So I don't know. You know, as early as three years ago, I think I would say I would still see like People on talk shows, you know, mainstream talk shows like gamers, and you'd see these actors talk about them as if it's some weird niche group. But I have to say, firmly as of the past year, that is just gone. I mean, what you have the star, what is a man of steel? Was it Henry Cavill? Like yeah. literally posting, he's building a PC and he's like a, you know, one of the most handsome actors in Hollywood right now. And it's like, no, he's like, I like PC gaming. There's a lot of other, <laughs> there's a lot of other, uh, 
it is true that the stigma is entirely gone, pretty much. I mean, there's a stigma for a type of gamer, but like to say you play games a lot, to say you have a big gaming system, whether it's the latest console or a god tier <laughs> gaming PC, that stigma's just gone. People just say cool. Yeah, and past a certain point, it's just I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think there's anything inherently negative or positive about it at this point because no. It's just a ma- another mainstream form of entertainment now that, and those jokes on like talk shows or TV shows were pretty, uh, seemed pretty out of touch even a few years ago based on right. the sentiment. But it, it, yeah, I, I don't know if there's really anything inherently positive for a person that's already in the community at this point, aside, I guess, more people to talk to about it, but... <laughs> Uh, you know, I still find it funny, though. One of the funniest questions I've ever heard is like, and it's usually like now we're in the holiday season. So like we'll be around like, you know, we're home for the holidays. We'll have like an aunt or uncle around and, you know, they're like super old or whatever and don't play any games. And they'll ask questions like, what games do you play? And it's just like, isn't this, does this question make any sense? Not really, no. Like, like, or like what types of games because it's kind of like asking, what song do you listen to? Yeah, I know. And I guess... Like, what types of games is a better question than just saying, what game do you play? W- what song do I listen to? What movie do I watch every day? Like, there's a lot of movies and songs and TV shows, guys. Well, and there are some people where it's like, I only play Overwatch. There are some people that are like that still. But <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I, 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 I'm less about into like the just playing a multiplayer game over and over and over again at this point. And yeah, it doesn't really make sense because that changes every couple months, usually what I'm playing. So I guess in that regard, maybe that is good for the community though, is that I guess we can fully just say that as of this year, the stigma is gone because of how many people have finally been brought into gaming and even high-end gaming. Yeah. So I guess that is positive because it's less annoying for me. (laughs) yes it is less annoying at this point you know another thing i wanted to talk about too was what probably one of my last big heavily researched videos at the end of last year was core i9 branding the death of intel's prestige i remember this video because i had put together the notes for it months before i put it out and it was like finally one of those last opinion pieces basically that i put out that i've been meaning to get out forever before i collapsed and complete exhaustion as I'm doing. If you're listening to this, Tom's already collapsed in exhaustion (laughs) for the rest of the year. Although I'm sure I'll still not be able to help myself and throw out a video here or there. Um, But And and I think that you see that 2020, this was proven entirely correct. The, The thesis I made at the end of 2019 was shoehorning I-9 into the naming scheme. I, I mean, honestly, years before 2019, was one of the biggest short-sighted mistakes Intel has ever made for their branding. Because now none of these, again, like I, and it's something we've said before, but I want to say it again. I7 used to mean something. It used to mean something when you said, I have an I7, or even I have an I5. I remember that. And I know we've talked about this a lot, months ago but i think i just want to point it out one more time by the now that it's the end of 2020 this the the prestige of these brands is utterly dead i9 means nothing no one thinks it's impressive if you have an i9 
Yeah, and I've got to say, it. I wouldn't be surprised if Intel has to change their branding soon, um, which is unfortunate because I thought the i3, i5, i7 branding was really good while it lasted. But they've kind of ran it into the ground, and it, it, pretty much the only products worth buying that they sell now are i9s. Like, everything else is kind of shitty. And i7s. And I, yeah, I, there are i7s that are worth buying still, but it's like, what? I just got an i7, Dan. I'm sorry, Tom. Were you saying I'm a bad person? Yes, that is what I'm saying. But like, okay. But like, <laughs> but like an i3, just that's not like an entry level gaming CPU at this point. You just don't buy an i3 anymore. And you just don't buy them. Like, yeah. I, the branding should have changed with the times. They shouldn't have pointlessly added another tier to their i, I core branding. Uh, series and yeah it, it just kind of sucks now because i9s and i5 and i7s are the only things at all worth buying from them anymore and i5s and i3s are pretty much dead we're like yeah and i'm looking what what was their first like i'm trying to find uh um, i wasn't did it, they introduce it with eighth eight? gen or was that ninth gen I thought it was seven. It was seven. That's what it was. I couldn't find it. It was 7,900X. God, it's been such a long time. Um, This is, of course, multiple years ago. Yeah, so I I always thought it was such a short-sighted mistake to have the 7,900X, the first i9, A10 core, that they launched as an i9, their first one against AMD's flagship 16 core. Mm -hmm. So just right out of the gate, it was like, and and it kind of, and it competed with it to be fair while using like double the energy. I guess let's be fair. It did actually pretty much compete with it because it was clocked so much faster, um, and didn't have you know the uh, the the issues with the uh, separated Epic chiplets that you you used to saw see in the Naples design. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it it really to me signals that Intel thought this was a temporary problem from AMD, and this is backed up by people I've talked to at Intel. They really, truly, in 2017, thought it was a temporary issue. And they still thought it was in 2018. They still thought it was in 2019. And I, what I, my point is, I think 2020 is this, the cementation that this issue will not go away for many years, and Intel finally admits it. I just, I really think that should have just been called a 10-core i7, and then the top, you know, and, and I, I would almost go as far as, I think I said this, I argued, they should have just called the top Coffee Lake an i5, an i5-8700K, and set the stage for six cores, 12 threads ahead of time. Because you can't... Because otherwise, like mo- all of their lineup is i9s now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, and now I think with like Rocket Lake, there's going to be this weird thing where they're probably going to brand... We still don't they're know. They're probably going to brand... Maybe we'll know by the time this comes out. Yeah, I don't know. I, they're probably going to brand something as an i9, and it's going to look stupid. <laughs> I think probably, if I'm being honest, yeah. And, and and again, from talking to people, you know, at Intel, I've said this, Dan, you know, when are they going to, I mean, they've ruined it. When are they going to retire i7? And they have no plans for years. They're, they're well, not, re- so, I mean, and look at what they just did with Tiger, like this bizarre Evo, i7 Evo. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, like what? <laughs> well, Tom, I think the clear solution to this branding issue is next year with Alder like introduce i elevens? <laughs> uh, I mean, and look, I want to be clear. I understand the idea of an i nine when you're competing with sixteen cores, 
Because if you don't put, like, if there's a reason AMD doesn't even, I guess they're technically the R9 brand, but there's a reason AMD just calls them Threadripper and then the name because they're like, we can't call this the same tier, the 64 core, as this 16 core. Yeah. But, like, that's what I've always found so bizarre is i9 should be reserved for the very top HEDT chips. And it's very odd to me that they insist on calling something with, like, I mean, they're top 18 core and they have a limited edition or hard to get 22 core now on their platform, I believe. Like, that's an i9, but then you're also calling this 10 core an i9 and you might launch an 8 core Rocket Lake i9. This should not be the same tier as your 22 core. It, it, I mean, it doesn't make any sense. And yeah, I, I don't know what they do at this point. I don't think there's anything you can really do to resurrect that branding. I think you just need to change it at a certain point. Yeah, well, again, as far as I'm aware, not going to. they have no plans anytime soon. DC96 writes in and says, Intel's ME security issues. So, yeah, I, put, I have a link in the description, the CSME flaw. I mean, I remember at the beginning of 2020, the security issues were getting so bad that there were some where they're like, we can't patch it. Yeah, I know. And, it's, and, and a lot of them had to do with the fact that they had patched other security flaws for... Uh, these, you know, these Intel security problems, but some of these flaws were using multiple of them together and they had no way of patching if they use them both at the same time. Yeah. And I mean, wasn't there a big issue last year with ironically that Intel was actually selling a lot of CPUs to uh, data centers because all these security issues were stacking up and the, the only way to rectify their loss in performance was to expand. Just buy more yeah. Intel. <laughs> Which again, it's something I explained in the recent, again, I explained, I've explained it a, a few times now, the recent uh, server engineer broken silicon episode where we discussed, you know, we, to be clear, it is so much, it was, it was so much easier for people to these companies, these mega companies to go, you know, the software stack is finalized. All of our engineers are trained on working on these Intel systems. It's easier for us to just buy another room and fill it with more Intel systems to make up for our halving of performance. Which remember, because they lost, they had to basically disable hyperthreading at a certain point. They lost, and then also clock them lower, guys. Yeah. <laughs> they lost basically half the performance. I mean, there are some servers that lost like 80% of the performance, and they, it was still just easier to triple the size of their server and make a do with it overloading. We were trying to buy next-gen consoles, apparently. <laughs> then it is to switch to AMD because of how much they need to set up their entire operation around a different company's systems. And, and, and I just, I guess what I'm saying is I still feel like, at least in the gaming space, it was never acknowledged well enough how big of a problem these security issues were. No, it wasn't. I mean, I don't think it affected the gaming space as much as like the server as the of course servers not as much. Because, it was disastrous for servers. Well, because there's a lot of people that are like, data mind me daddy so they don't really care that, that like there that was a legitimate argument like well i don't well that legitimate well it was an argument was an, i don't know if i see it as legitimate. that was a real <laughs> argument i saw people making like well i don't care about my data so have it <laughs> so um and i think that's just a boneheaded argument like okay well then we're just operating on two different levels of what matters so i guess if you don't care about any security issues you don't care about I don't know, potential bank records or passwords of yours leaking, 
sure, don't have a secure system. Well, and a thing that I don't think the do-it-yourself community, and I, I, I mean, look, there's plenty of people that acknowledge this. AMD sales are unprecedented right now on Newegg and, you know, Mind Factory and all these other places. So let's not pretend. Let's not pretend. Most people probably did see it as a serious problem. Yeah. But I still don't think, like, anyone who made those arguments now, which, let's be clear, at the end of 2020, no one's talking about this anymore. Like, and that's why, I, and I suspect we won't talk about this almost at all in 2021, even though there will probably be more security problems. It's just, I think people are tired of talking about it. But as we kind of close the final chapter in discussing Intel security problems as a big discussion point, it's just not new anymore to talk about. So we're not going to probably, I just need to say people need to reckon with this because there's a lot of people that didn't acknowledge this. There was an IPC regression Mm -hmm. between Skylake and Comet Lake if you run older apps with the security patches off, Hardware Unboxed demonstrated this, and other channels have too, how you could argue there is, and I think AMD put this in some of their marketing, like they're like, in two years, we increased AP, IPC by 50%, where Intel decreased it by 3%. <laughs> but you know, AMD should market that. But I don't think people have reckoned with that this really did affect gamers. Like Hardware Unboxed showed that even in games, because they put some of these patches in at a hardware level, there's a 3% IPC loss, guys, Yeah, with Comet Lake versus Skylake. And yet, it's still way, 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 way a better decision to get Comet Lake, I've found, over any Skylake, KB Lake, especially KB Lake. That one seemed to have extra problems. Or Coffee Lake, pro- or early, should I say, early Coffee Lake processors. Because if you look at the frame times, and again, Hardware and Box found this consistently, well, the averages in IPC benchmarks will be the same between Comet Lake and like Skylake. They're not the same in minimums. You see these in multiple games. You see the a these frame time drops, and it's because of the mitigations they've patched into Windows now. And you can say it didn't affect you, but I'm telling you it did. And it actually did a lot in some gaming benchmarks I've seen even recently, even though they've gotten better. And, and, and all I can say is, you know, if you didn't notice the patches, if you didn't notice the problems, then I don't know why you bought a high-end system because you probably never needed to spend that much because I noticed them. Every other Windows, not uh, there would be some Windows updates where like this is when we were playing the Division 2 early this year. We would notice, well, I guess it would have been late 2019. In the Division 2, we would notice sometimes the frame rates were lower and it was after a Windows update. Yeah. And then the next Windows update, they would be higher again. Like you had Broadwell, I had Skylake all the way up until the end of 2019. And we noticed it. Yeah. And it affected gamers. I, I think there's just less talk about it now because the, there's fewer and fewer arguments you can cling to for why you should be buying Intel instead. So now there, now if you're getting into an argument online, it just doesn't get to the level of, well, there's security issues because there are so many other things before that that would convince you to buy an AMD CPU instead from the fact that they're just blatantly better at this point is <laughs> is one argument. And it, uh, back in like late 2019, it would uh, there were a bunch of security issues that some people took seriously and some people didn't care about. Yeah, and I guess that's all I'm saying is I'm kind of tired of talking about this. Well, you can see in my coverage, I did several videos just on security issues that I got from a couple of sources that I disclosed before they were fully public or at least fully talked about. 
And I haven't done that, I think, at all this year, just because I'm kind of tired of talking about it. But as we close the chapter then on talking about that stuff, I just want to make sure it's, we ha- I have to say it, guys, this didn't just affect servers. And my God, you, the, how much it affected these people working on servers, it's just, it can't be a, they hate Intel right mm-hmm. now. I mean, but it also affected gamers. And if you say it, you didn't notice, then you shouldn't have been buying high-end products because <laughs> you probably could have just got by with something a lot cheaper and not noticed the differences in frame rates. Yeah. But let us move on. And, and you know, that's why this, this part one is called the rise of AMD and the fall of Intel's prestige because that really does seem to be what 2020, especially early 2020, was about. All right. So moving on, another thing I just kind of want to touch on, though, is just how AMD, I guess we've kind of touched on it. We probably don't need to dwell on this, but just the momentum AMD carried into this year, which I guess we've pretty much covered. But I I just want to point out, though, how ridiculous arguments were at the end of last year, though, and, and even early 2019, where I still couldn't believe, I did a video on this, like I got so fed up in 2019, especially before Zen 2 launched, seen reviews like titled 2700X 9900K Showdown. (laughs) And I started to get so annoyed. I'm like, one of them is a $300 CPU that comes with a good cooler. And the other is a $500 usually plus CPU that requires you to buy about $100 cooler. So we're looking at double the cost. And you're comparing these. Guys, this would be like if the RX 6800 non-XT was $400. And for some reason, people insisted on comparing it to the 3090 because the 3090 was like 20 to 30% better while using more energy and costing twice as much. Like that's how when I th- that's what I'm saying is the momentum being carried into this year. That's when I knew this was over. Cause if if this is what they're doing, they're comparing AMD's $300 product to Intel's, you know, really $600 product. What's going to happen when AMD has $600 products? Uh, well, the answer is a lot of people get online, get mad that a $600 product is being charged at $600. But yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know. I think a, a lot of coverage needs to be more intelligent with what they're showcasing and what they're comparing against. Because, yeah, you're right. It's ludicrous that a $300 product is being compared to a essentially $600 product, uh, like as if this is some type of showdown. When the 2700X is just, it's more a value-driven purchase where versus the 9900K when uh, those two would have been quote-unquote competing with one another. Like, Late last year, you could get a twenty seven hundred X for one hundred thirty dollars. That's the price of a. That's the price of an i three. Yeah, and, and that actually gets us to the next set of notes that I want us to talk about too. And that's just that. Look, there, there's just no way around it. Um, you know, last year, late last year was a good time to buy. It was really after. Years of a, an, an insane mining boom, which to this day, I'm telling you guys, I do not expect the next mining boom to be nearly as bad. Actually, let me, let me say that clearly right now. And I'll probably have already, I, th- I already covered it before this, but I'm going to say it again just because I'm thinking about it, which is that, guys, I don't think you get it. During 2017, I had a Fury Nitro, early 2017, yeah, I had a Fury Nitro. 
And it was paying for itself in under two months. Yeah. And it was overclocked. I wasn't even trying to make it efficient. That's how profitable things were in 2017, 2018. I wasn't doing the math to see which cards were efficient. I was seeing which cards could I even get for a reasonable price, fill up a mining rig, and how many amps could my house handle. And you have, and again, guys, I like, I didn't have thousands of cards. The demand was caused by <laughs> like these mining firms in the Pacific Northwest in the United States and Northern China. Um, having Boeing 737s flying off the factory line to their mining, they built a tarmac at their <laughs> mining facility so that they could directly land and hook up 1070s, 1060s, and 580s. Like, I just want to be clear that the profitability we're seeing right now in mining, it is slightly profitable if you already have a rig, but it is, it's not. It's not a tenth of what it used to be. And even if Bitcoin were to 10x, I don't think you should assume Ethereum will 10x with it because that's not what we're seeing. We're seeing Bitcoin climb faster yeah. this time around. And even at it would take a 10xing of Ethereum to even be where it was when it wasn't. It still wouldn't be as profitable as 2017, even if it 10x. And, it still wouldn't. And it's also important to highlight, at least as far as I know, no, no mining firms that mine Bitcoin are going to be using graphics cards at this point they're all using asics so the only mining firms that are like using graphics cards are mining ethereum or some other shit coin um yeah and i guess the argue you could argue that that means like asics are buying up capacity to produce them but i'm not actually sure where asics are produced from for the most part are they also i i tsmc I would assume TSMC, but yeah. So I guess there's the argument that they're still taking up capacity, but there's no really direct line between like Bitcoin mining and uh, graphics cards at this point. And I think, I don't think Ethereum is going to last forever. So yeah. And, and I don't have time to really get into why. Yeah. I mean, remember everyone, I've had um, Stefan Levera on Broken Silicon. You guys can go listen to that episode where we cover our concerns about that, I believe. Um, and I've covered it in a bunch of other broken silicons briefly. And the reason I bring up mining though, anyways, though, is just to say that, you know, I don't, I just think everyone thought these great prices would be around forever that we saw in 2019. I mean, you got a 2700 X for 150, right? Yeah. I think it might've been 130. Yeah. Around 150, something like that. You know, and I, and I guess the prices, you know, stayed Pretty good early 2019 and onward. I mean, yeah, Vegas were selling still for like 200 bucks on eBay or less. I mean, some people for 150. I remember selling a Vegas 64 to a friend for like 200 bucks, you know, mm -hmm. or 210. I don't know. Um, somewhere around there. And, and, and it really is just, I don't think we want, I want to dwell on it because again, I think people are tired of talking about the availability thing by now. <laughs> but I just do need to point out that. No one saw coming the unprecedented demand that caused what's going on now. It's really not some of the Ampere problems are mining because I guess NVIDIA is just selling them directly to miners, which AMD isn't, guys, just so you know. <laughs> um, although XFX supposedly was. Um, uh, but a lot of it is just everyone wants to have a gaming rig now. And it's just, I don't think anyone saw this coming. And, 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 and I don't want to dwell on the availability so much as to say that it's just I don't know. It really does seem like early 2020 was the good old days. You know, I, I remember putting out a video last holiday season 
where there was in bulk being sold $100 Fury Nanos. I mean, my God, that that's a card that got the best yields of HBM1. You could undervolt and over... Yeah, you could overclock the memory to like from like 500 to 600 megahertz, which remember, this is 4096 bits. So you could get to over 600 gigabytes <laughs> per second of bandwidth on a card that uses a single 8-pim. And and it would, generally speaking, at least back then, outperform a 580, be closer to or outperform a 590 for $100 while using about 250 watts after tweaking. And the BIOS wasn't locked down at all. So you couldn't just flash a new BIOS. You could literally do whatever you wanted with the BIOS. Like you could like completely mess with fan speeds and like flash the card so it's exactly the settings you want and then never touch it again. Like we're just not seeing that now. We're seeing... Again, like the example I bring up is $250 1070s. Like, really? A four-year-old card? Who knows how much longer it'll last? Or these $350 2060s that just blow my mind that people are selling a six-gigabyte used card that's two years old for the price they bought it for two years ago. Like, it is what it is. I think you got to, like, I hope you guys, like, have a gaming PC to play the games because there's just been better times to build. And that was early this year. Not now. I don't think anyone, you know, saw this coming, including me. I mean, I, I, I didn't. I, I mean, I admit I did not see this demand coming. Well, it's the holiday season, and you know what that means: lots of travel for this holiday season, and hopefully for a more open 2021. I bought a studio laptop for mobile editing, and of course. Well, it didn't come with an open license of Microsoft Office, and those can be very expensive, especially for the professional version. But luckily, I was able to get Microsoft Office Professional for a reasonable price from cdkoffers.com. Go to cdkoffers.com and use the promotional code BROKENSILICON to get 25% off an already cheap list price of Windows 10 Professional. Then all you do is click on your email account, go to user center and then my purchase orders to get the code just use this code with a normal download of windows 10 professional from microsoft's website all right links in the description yeah once again i don't think anyone saw that demand coming and yeah that's obviously what's keeping prices up like the fact that computer tech a notoriously uh 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 space where products notoriously don't hold their value for long for some reason they're holding their value for longer than they used to it's demand is up shipping is more complicated this year than it usually is uh, there's just a lot of factors Uriel Acosta writes in and says this is my first year gaming on pc and it's been so hard to get a hold of anything I even had to wait a few weeks to buy a Leon Lee uh, uni fans yeah so I want to be clear about this I think everyone's focusing a little too much on the newest graphics cards in the consoles. These things always sell out around launch. Yeah. Always. And 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 again, just to not to beat a dead horse, the reason the Ampere launched, the reason there was this whole NVIDIA's Ultimate Play thing, guys, it wasn't because it sold out. And, I, and that was one thing that always bothered me around the Ultimate Play article was I was like, too many people are just focusing on that they can't get them. That's not the point. Because it's not the fucking point at all. <laughs> <laughs> the point was that not only could you not get them, like all tech releases, all of them, the point was they didn't even ship new stuff for months <laughs> intentionally. And it's because I guess now we know they're sending them to miners. That's the difference between the NVIDIA launch 
And certainly the console launches where plenty of people have been able to get them. Yeah. You know, so I I think too many people are focusing on I didn't get the toy I want and they're missing the fact that used cards are selling for $400 that used to be $200, that SSD prices are up, that Zen Plus is more expensive now than it was last year, that cases, power supplies, everything's more expensive, guys. And it's because demand's up 40% versus last year, while shipping is more expensive. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty simple math. It's supply. The point isn't that things sold out, guys. That is not the point. <laughs> if you ever make a prediction that a new piece of tech isn't going to sell out immediately day one, that is a bold prediction, no matter what the piece of tech is, because everything sells out day one. Like Which I said... I said RDNA 2 would sell out day one. I said all of these things repeatedly, every broken sale kind. I was like, well, yeah, they're going to ship more products in quarter four, but I can't promise it'll be in your country on launch day. And it's going to be hard to get. Everything's going to be hard to get, you know? And, and again, I think, again, the emphasis is on everything. I think that's, if there's one thing I hope people remember listening to these episodes and going into the next year, the point isn't that things sold out. My God. The point is that everything is hard to get. Even things that are two years old. Yeah. That's why everything's so hard to get. Isn't just because it's new. Everything always sells out. It's that it's just a clusterfuck right now. Yeah. And there's, and everything is more expensive because there's no reason for anything to to lower in price. Why would you lower the price of a thing that's constantly selling out? Elijah Fleming writes in and says, why have Zen 2 parts been increasingly more expensive since April? In April, 3600s were selling for $167. Oh, wait, I'm sorry, I'm going to cut you off. What's happened since April, Elijah? Um, Nothing really, right? No, no. Yeah, no, I don't think there's been any world-changing pandemics or anything. Well, there's one that you might be forgetting about. Oh, what was it called? Uh, COVID-19. Wait, say that again? I haven't heard about this. Oh, uh, you should Google literally anything then. And- <laughs> you should literally just pull up Google and it'll say, hey, have you... Yeah, so again, it's just like, it's again, this thing that I, I, you know, and we're not trying to pick on anyone, but it's like since April, prices have gone up. Yes. <laughs> like I said earlier in this episode, it seemed like people penny pinch for the first month because we didn't know if the world was about to end. But... Moving forward, guys, this is what's been going on. You have to remember, they put a lot of their products into passenger jets. And so if no one's flying on American Airlines, they can't just sneak products into the belly of these airplanes anymore. They have to pay to charter these flights. And that means everyone's paying to charter flights. So the charts are even harder. The flights are even harder to get. So prices are up on that. And then it's a runaway effect in pricing. That's just kind of how everything seems to work. Like when toilet paper ran out, 10% more purchasing, but everyone's purchasing 10% more. It just runs out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know what else to say to that. Like, yeah, getting, getting stuff in general just sucks right now compared to what it was a year now, ago. Now, Elijah also brings up the 3300X. And he's like, B&H says this is a new product coming soon since May. No, I don't think that's, I think, I don't know. I think there's just been some releases from AMD where they just made them for a month. I don't know. Like the 3300X, well, it's the same as, um, what, the Zen Plus version of the, what was it, the R3-1200, the Zen Plus version of, the, what was it, the, the remember yeah. the R5-1600AF at the beginning of this year? That is worth bringing up, Elijah. I'm glad you did because I remember doing videos around how this is a brilliant move to be launching $100 six-core 12 threads 
from Global Foundries to not mess with capacity, but that lasted for about a week, a month, <laughs> a week. Yeah, I, and then the thirty three hundred X was very short lived as well. So I can't say that has to do with COVID so much as that's just AMD. I don't know. I guess I thought there was, you know, some of this seems to be less of a master plan and more of a we can make this for this month and then we're done, like opportunistic. Yeah, I, I yeah, I, I, it has to be anything. It just has to be opportunistic, like. Uh, otherwise, I can't explain what the 3300X was because I don't know of like anyone actually getting <laughs> getting one of those because it was just such a short-lived product. Yeah. Now, another thing I want to bring up now as we switch gears from beating the availability dead horse is kind of wrapping up the rest of the product discussions from early 2020 that I think people forget about a little bit. Like Z, I remember... So many articles late 2019 Mm -hmm. going, Intel's launching their new graphics cards in 2020 that they're going to take on AMD. And then me myself putting out rumors. A lot of my early videos for 2020 were talking about how actually, guys, Intel, and I think I was one of the first people to confirm specifically what they were doing with tile GPUs, that that behind closed doors, these were scaling across tiles pretty much linearly. and, and and I reported that, and, and, I, and guys, this is true, early 2020 and late, well, late 2019 even, Intel had these graphics cards and labs that were outperforming the 2080 Ti, but they were using over 500 watts. And it's because the, infin- the their version, right, of Infinity Fabric worked incredibly well with low latency, but also, well, moving data uses a lot of energy. <laughs> yeah. And... Do you remember just how many stories we had about Intel Z and then all of my rumors? And then all that I have now, guys, is worth updating. By the end of 2020, the story is, instead of doing like four 256 EU tiles, they're just going to do one big old tile or whatever it is. Or I think it was four 128 EU tiles. Yeah. The, the, what I know now is the mid-range one is probably 512 EU single tile, big GPU. Frankly, it sounds a lot like RDNA 2, to be <laughs> honest, the design. Um, with 16 gigabytes over a 256-bit bus competing with a 3070 or 3080. Which, to be clear, guys, that hasn't changed. It still sounds like they have something in between the 3070 and 3080, around 200 watts, 16 gigabytes. So no more tiles. Just get ready for Intel to launch a RX 6800 one year after <laughs> AMD. I mean, yeah, I, I think it was there was excitement about it because Intel's entering GPUs and they also have, it's also like a weird configuration. So people were excited about it even, and it just didn't pan out. And yeah, they're going to compete in the mid range with a monolithic die. I don't know what else to say to that. It's the tile design clearly didn't, well, not clearly yet, I guess, but the tile design didn't work out probably. And yeah, they're going to launch, probably going to launch mid range GPUs, but who knows that might not happen too. (laughs) Well, they're they're having those little mini tile ones coming out now yeah. in some laptops. I actually haven't really looked at those. That you know, or or I said as of this recording, I really don't have much to add about those except that you know they're launching low end graphics cards that are in ultrabooks the same way AMD and Nvidia has. And I mean, I, I guess that also brings us to kind of Alder Lake and all the other. You know, the beginning of 2020, Moore's Law is Dead was heavily leaking Intel info. 
because I just think I had it before other people. I've always said that I, I think my Intel sources legitimately, you guys, are, are very, very, very good and have been before my other, before I ever got good AMD sources or mm-hmm. uh, within the same realm as good, shall we say. Um, and that it's funny how Alder Lake consistently massive IPC increase, more than 10 cores, um, new socket, really interesting things they're going to try. But it, as time goes on, it just sounds like another monolithic design. And it really, the only special thing is the big little design. Yeah. And that this is it. And that it's not about the 3d stacking. Like, you know, I think, I think at the beginning of 2020, when you look at Lakefield, Alder Lake and other architectures rumored to come out from Intel, the emphasis was on, well, yeah, they're going with big little because you know, uh, you can fit four little cores in the same space as a big Sunny Cove core or Golden Cove core. And so it takes up less space and they can manufacture one on one node and the other on another node and you can 3D stack them. The emphasis actually is just not on the 3D stacking. It is just the big little, as far as I can tell at the end of this year. It's all about big little for Intel. And so it's going to come down to, it's, it's not, I'm not saying Alder Lake will be successful, but I am saying they're not kidding. They see Big Little as a big part of their architecture's future. Yeah. And I mean, we'll see how that pans out. Hopefully well. I mean, do you have any reflective thoughts on Alder Lake or all of these Intel leaks over early 2020 looking back on it now? Not too many thoughts, no. I, because most of the stuff that has been officially announced and coming out is frankly not that interesting. And Alder Lake is interesting, but we don't know what Alder Lake will actually look like in practice until we actually see it. And yeah, like they have Lakefield, which Lakefield is interesting. And I think it's performing better now than it was when it came out. So that's good. And that's hopefully promising for Alder Lake. But no, that's really all of my thoughts on it. Yeah, it's still very much so, which again is what I tried to emphasize at the beginning of 2020 is it's like, I know Rocket Lake sounds interesting, which let's just say, I've here in the notes, just I think people may forget how many people in the Moore's Law's Dead Discord and YouTube comments were like, well, I'm not getting Zen 3. I'm going to wait for Rocket Lake. How, and I just kept saying, uh, all info points to Zen 3 being better. <laughs> all info, and I just kept saying, all info points to if Rocket Lake's better at gaming, it's a photo finish and it's going to be worse in every other way. Yeah. Like, like, and I think now I don't see those comments anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I think people finally accepted Zen 3 really is this, like, you could really argue Zen 3 is a bigger uplift for gamers than Zen 2 was if it wasn't for the fact that you can't buy anything this fall. Well, yeah, I mean, it, I, I think it's pretty obvious that, that, that it's better for gamers than what the uplift was for Zen 2 at this point. Even if, like, there's nothing quite as, it, it's a little bit more of boring of an upgrade, but I think it's more substantial for a lot of people. Yeah, and again, you know, like Zen 2 roughly brought parity in gaming to Intel, and that's why everyone saw it as a big deal. But again, it's like looking back at some of these people insisting on buying the newest stuff. I don't know. I think Zen Plus was a almost a bigger deal than Zen 2 for gamers in that the 2700X, 4 gigahertz, 8 cores, 16 threads, under $300 since... I don't know what, 2018, you've never needed anything besides that, even for 100 hertz gaming for years. Mm-hmm. And it was always the right price. Zen 2 was really for creators, even if its gaming uplift was big. Zen Plus really, I, I think, was the big one for gamers. And if Zen 3's price is stabilized next year, that'll be a bigger one for gamers than Zen 2. Yeah. 
So moving on then, though, I guess the final, like kind of more, as I look over the notes more, I have a couple other things, but also a hardware thing is just at the beginning of this year, how many people were talking about if AMD could take the mobile market? Um, yeah, and there's always talk about that. And I, I think largely the answer right now, at least, is not quite. I mean, you're seeing it in more products, laptops than AMD and more laptops. Well, than I mean, like to. performance wise, though. Which I suppose goes hand in hand. Yeah. But they've taken the performance crown now. And, yeah. And this is something people always argued with me in 2019. No, they didn't have the top mobile CPU. Like I tested them and there's no way around it. The Zen Plus quad cores used more energy, a lot more energy at idle than Intel's processors. And even boosting all cores, the top yields from Intel perform better than Zen Plus. Yeah. And I think the, I think Renoir was their first really, really solid uh, mobile CPU line that they've had in a long time. And I I think, yeah, it's probably better than what Intel has. I mean, we'll see with Tiger Lake H how that pans out. But I think for right now, yeah, they kind of have the performance crown and you're not seeing it in a ton of laptops yet, but I mean, I have a laptop with it. Well, you, you're, I mean, compare it to years ago, Dan. Yeah, there was literally like nothing except for netbooks. <laughs> I I literally couldn't get one. Yeah. Like I tried to get an excavator APU laptop cuz I thought I actually thought its overall performance was really impressive and it was like I, I forgot what the top one's name was it's like FX-9 bunch of numbers and then something P at the end. And I remember that one specifically was actually kind of up there at the quad uh, with the mobile i5s at the time. And I was like, wow, this thing's actually really impressive. And I, I'm saying this, uh, everyone, I'm saying this. I literally, literally couldn't find a laptop with the top <laughs> mobile FX processor. Uh, uh, besides like maybe some foreign one that cost $2,000 for some bizarre reason and was thick and not a thin lab. Like, it didn't exist. And I think you saw that improve. I think our parents have a Zen Plus laptop. I think our Zen 1 laptop. You saw that improve with Zen 1 and Zen Plus. But Renoir, I mean, my God, I still remember what I expected out of Renoir was, oh, they're putting eight cores into a monolithic die. I expect this to boost, be more efficient than Intel, but not boost as high. And it way overperformed <laughs> Intel's boosting to the point where when you look back at Tiger Lake rumors, which are the ones I put out, I believe were all correct. But the emphasis I kept putting in those Tiger Lake leaks was this Tiger Lake sounds really impressive. Tiger Lake sounds like this will be the first true 10 nanometer generation from Intel that doesn't come with caveats, that it's just good. But it's only going to matter if they can get it out mid-2020, because by the end of 2020, I have my doubts that this is going to matter. And it's just turned out to be roy- like more true than even I could have anticipated that. When you really break it down, yes, yes, okay, 28-watt Tiger Lake, or really 35-watt Tiger Lake, is 10, 20% better with its integrated graphics than, you know, whatever, 45-watt Renoir. But the second you go below 28 watts, in fact, it doesn't seem to be have better integrated performance than Renoir. And it's to the point where I would argue, really, Tiger Lake's only competing with cut down Renoir yeah, in most products. Yeah, and it's just, and Renoir beat them to the market by what, like four or five months, something like that? 
So it, yes. it doesn't really matter at a certain point. Well, and let's be clear, Tiger Lake's availability isn't banned. Mm-hmm. It's real. It's not like Ice Lake where it took months for it to become a real product. But like I go to Best Buy, there's tons of them. I've even seen $500 Tiger Lake laptops already. Like they're there. Yeah. It's just they need Tiger Lake H out now. And Tiger Lake, you can't be this all, all premium laptop. You see it in these like $2,000 Razer notebooks. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, this is meant for compact sub $1,000 notebooks. Tiger Lake is not better than Renoir. Yeah. No, Razer. <laughs> no. Bad Razer. Bad, bad Razer. <laughs> bad Razer. Uh, that, that that's when you'll let me say this to everyone too. That's when you'll know in 2021 when the tide is truly changing for AMD and mobile is when you see Razer offer AMD versions. Yeah, I mean, and I think the other thing that at least I've heard uh, from you is AMD needs to be better at their partnerships with brands with uh, OEMs to mm. um, actually design products around their CPUs. Which I'm told they're getting better. I know I always say yeah. it. It's like a broken record. But uh, I'm not getting, I'm told AMD is getting better at this. That, that the uh, yeah, you're referencing this. And, and go listen to the OEM laptop uh, engineer guys like that, that what it, with a recent episode about a month ago where he talks about how, well, Intel will literally solve the problem for us. They'll say, we designed this cooling solution and we even designed an iteration for the new like for example, XPS laptop, like we, or or the new you know Spectre. Like we didn't just design this new way of cooling; we designed it for your form factory, literally. Mm-hmm. And we're going to work with you in integrating it. Whereas AMD is like ours is better; just put it in. Yeah, and a once AMD starts making more, helping and designing custom solutions, well, then yeah, I think you'll start seeing them in a lot of laptops. Nolan Hackett writes in and says, I'm really impressed with how integrated graphics have improved over the past year. Really glad to see the era of UHD 620 laptops coming to an end. Now I can upgrade to pretty much any laptop and it will have better graphics than my five-year-old ProBook's discrete graphics. And I do want to pull, you know, I did want to highlight what Nolan said here. I do see 2020 as kind of the death of shitty integrated graphics. Yeah, I mean, AMD has great integrated graphics. Intel has... Great integrated graphics. Uh, Apple has great integrated graphics now, too. Yeah. Shitty integrated graphics is dying, and it looks like it looks like some integrated graphics are starting to overtake like older uh, discrete graphics cards. So, yeah, that's good. Yeah. And I mean, like, I just, I just, I know Intel's still selling <laughs> basically the same Skylake integrated graphics and some products. Like, I just got a studio laptop that has a 2060 and a Comet Lake six core, but it has the discrete graphics card. It doesn't really matter. And you're seeing Intel only laptops basically almost all just being Tiger Lake. Mm-hmm. So, so it is nice to think, and this is important because now you can get, almost any laptop above $500, and then you can boot up even Battlefield 5, any of them, any laptop, Intel or AMD. And that is kind of a huge deal for kind of making gaming a standard form of content on any laptop. I I mean, this is less, I mean, like you still want to look it up and make sure it has exactly the specs you want for whatever you're going to do. But it's much, much less of this Oh, look at this super slim Spectre 13 that has this really cool new touchscreen. It's gold, you know, inlays on it. Oh, isn't this isn't this really cool? 
oh, look, it just has the worst graphics on earth and it's $1,500. You're not seeing that anymore. A lot of, if it's a $1,500 laptop, either it has like a 20 hour battery life in Tiger Lake or Renoir, or it has a 2060. Like, and in a 10-hour battery life like mine, like, I'm just blown away by this new standard, which it was been very nice to see. And again, it's because AMD is competing at the top. It's when AMD competes at the top that you see these changes. Yeah, and there's no shitty laptops laptops anymore that have, where you have to essentially either trade usability for performance, if that makes sense. Like, oh, yeah, I have this laptop that I spent $1,500 on, but I can't actually use it in the real world because it dies in 30 minutes. I'm glad we're seeing the death yeah. of that too, which. Yeah. When yeah. I was in Nashville a month ago, right. I had my new studio laptop with me. And although I forgot the capture card to use my nicer camera. So I still had to just, you know, I still recorded it at 30 frames and like 1440 P with the backup camera I had with me. Um, I was able to fully edit a fully functioning video with pop-ups and graphics on, and, and you know, it's certainly not as smooth as using my Radeon 7 and 3950X, <laughs> but it didn't slow me down. It worked fine. And having this type of mobile power and not for, this existed before, and if to spend $3,000 though, it's such a big deal. And, and again, it's because, you know, well, the HP had to make this studio laptop come with a five gigahertz, six core and a 2060. Asus is selling... Uh, Renoir eight cores and 2060s for about $1,200. So yeah. they had to do it. Yeah. GP Main writes in and says, Tiger Lake could be a very good product for Intel. Could you speculate about Renoir-based laptop availability for the coming months if Tiger Lake could be a good choice? Well, again, availability for everything is just shit right now. So let's just get that out of the way. Um, and and specifically, I'm told, I've been told actually for, for over a month, I think, that AMD's had a particularly hard time keeping up with Renoir demand. So as much as they're not dominating at laptop market share, Dan, they couldn't take more than they're already taking them <laughs> if they wanted to. They can't make enough Renoir. They can't. They can't make enough Renoir. So I guess let's just say that. Tiger Lake availability? I'm already seeing them in $500 laptops, so that seems better. Again, it's so interesting to see Intel falling into more and more budget brands Whereas AMD is like, oh, I just couldn't get that new AMD product. <laughs> kind of like the old well, Intel products. Yeah, I mean, there's been a role reversal in the past, over the past three years. And yeah, AMD is, the pre- is becoming the premium brand. Uh, like super thin Ultrabooks, I, I think you're still seeing Intel probably, right? But well, actually, that's probably going to go away soon too. But it, it, yeah, there, there's no reason to get uh, for AMD to be the pre, uh, budget brand anymore. I- Intel can also has products that fit into budget uh, laptops. Well, and let's be clear about this as well. You know, again, people are like, well, Tiger Lake's the super compact. Guys, Renoir is almost the same die. It's the same die size. It's the same die size as Tiger Lake. It's just Intel decided to put more into graphics and then a- and AMD put in more into cores, mm-hmm. like having eight cores. So really, they're pretty much similar in cost to manufacture, even for Intel, because 10 nanometer works now, guys. I'm actually told its yields are fine. I don't know about big chip yields. That's something we don't know. There's a big difference between making a 140 millimeter squared chip and a 600 (laughs) millimeter squared chip. But they work. They work fine for what Intel is using it for. Uh, One thing I want to add on to, though, is when people ask about how good Tiger Lake, and I I assume he means Tiger Lake H, right, with eight cores, I just want to point out that 
Tiger Lake per core is a bit better than Renoir. And so when they release an H core, although remember, they're going to sacrifice die space on the graphics side. It's going to have like a third the graphics or half the graphics performance roughly mm-hmm. um, so that it can fit eight cores in there. As much as that might be the best gaming CPU, it's like, yeah, but by how much versus Renoir? By 10%, 20%? Okay, so that's the best gaming mobile gaming CPU. I, I don't, I have no, I've been told they have no plans to bring this to desktop. Somewhat unfortunately, I think it'd be interesting to test an <laughs> core Tiger Lake on desktop. Um, but it's like, when is, again, it's like, it's just the same thing I said about Tiger Lake U. When is Tiger Lake H? When are the eight core Tiger Lakes coming out? As far as I'm aware, it's basically quarter one. Okay. Well, we're already seeing tons of leaks for Van Gogh, Cezanne, and Lucian. Yeah. Uh, Lucian basically just being a rebrand of Renoir, but moved down a stack, moved down the stack. And then Cezanne being a Sen 3 replacement for the top chips, some of the top chips, some of the mid- mid-range ones too, for some reason. Um, and so, well, we know Zen 3 is, I don't know, I guess let's say this. I don't know that mobile Zen 3 will be 20 to 30% better than mobile Renoir. It wouldn't surprise me if because Renoir was already monolithic, the increase was only 10 to 15%, to be fair. Yeah, and, but yeah, I, I think the, the But point, when is it coming out? Yeah, right? I guess my bring- point is, I see Cezanne competing with 8-Core Tiger like fine, and it sounds like it's going to come out around the same time. Yeah, so at a certain point, doesn't matter. I mean, if once again, if you can find a good deal for a Tiger Lake H laptop, that I mean, yeah, get it. It's going to be a good CPU, and you're going to be probably be getting a good product. But and then and then there's Van Gogh, which, as far as I'm aware, is specifically built to kill Tiger Lake U. It's Zen two, but Zen two's cores have less cash, I believe, than Zen 3. I guess we'll see what they do with Zen 3 Mobile, actually. I shouldn't speculate much on that. But I do believe Zen 2 will have a die space advantage. And so, yeah, the Van Gogh may only have four cores, and they may only be Zen 2, but it's going to be really how much worse than Zen, than Tiger Lake U four cores? Like, what, 20% worse? And they're just going to put in RDNA 2, I believe, compute units instead of, or, or maybe even RDNA 2.5 from what I've heard. Right, it's, it's kind of in the same way that like Renoir had Vega, but it certainly was better yeah. than the Vega and the Radeon Seven. Like it actually had like thirty percent higher IPC, which some people say it's just the clock speeds. No, it's not, guys. <laughs> it, it had like they've tested it. It had like twenty thirty percent more IPC. So don't be surprised if the RDNA two and Van Gogh has like an IPC increase over what's in desktop. Um, like that's gonna probably crush Tiger Lake in graphics while having the same core counts and being. I mean, what if the eight core? <laughs> we know RDNA two is more efficient. If the eight core Renoirs are using fifteen watts, quad core Van Gogh, I've been told, is targeting seven to twelve watts. Yeah. Uh, that's okay. So the CPU is twenty percent weaker than Tiger Lake. Oh no, it also uses half the energy and has a smaller die size and can be shoved into dirt cheap laptops with pretty damn <laughs> good integrated graphics. Probably yeah. right. Eight RDNA two. Yeah, I mean, depending on the clock speeds. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at. I don't know. Who knows? It could be almost PS4 Pro performance. Yeah, and I mean, the fact that we're... Just funny to think of. The fact that we might be there or we're almost there is kind of... It's kind of just hilarious how... I mean, how much better (laughs) uh, integrated uh, CPUs are on laptop right now. But anyways, to answer your question... One more time, GP Main, to be clear, after all of this kind of ad hoc discussions about all these products in mobile, 
Tiger Lake 8 should be great. I think it might, in fact, technically become the best gaming mobile processor. But I can't imagine it'll be notably better than Cezanne, really. Not by a lot. Yeah. And I think they're coming out around the same time. So I think no matter how you dice it, AMD is competitive in mobile, if not having the best Halo products. And they will until Alder Lake, at least. But I know Rembrandt's coming (laughs) probably before the end of next year anyway. So AMD is just causing problems for Intel in every market. But again, to be clear, it's not like Comet Lake. You see a Tiger Lake H laptop, it's probably good. Which which is important that Intel continue to compete with them to a certain degree in these markets, so they don't go completely mad with power. Yeah. Um, all right. So Eshel writes in, "Hi Tom. Nowadays, is some high end desktop replacement laptops come with two power supplies? Do you think next generation desktop replacement laptops, a la RTX 30 and Intel 11th Gen, will use three thanks to Nvidia and Intel? Well, Intel's mobile efficiency is getting better, not worse. Yeah, and." I, I I hope they wouldn't put some insane power hungry RTX 30 card on mobile. I mean, th- there will probably be some, but I'm seeing some whispers. Not I haven't. Uh, to be honest, guys, it's you know it's been the holidays, so I'm starting to wind down a bit. But I've seen some whispers from other leakers, not 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 any of my sources that. NVIDIA might be preparing some specific Ampere products with maybe even like GA103 or something other die. So whatever NVIDIA is doing, they're not stupid. I don't think they're going to try to show a 300-watt graphics card into mobile. Um, So I guess to answer a shell, no, I think... Look, I guess let me not place any bets on what the hell they do with desktop replacements. I never follow those, and those have never made any sense to me. I'm sure there will always be dual power supply laptops for some reason. But do I see that becoming more of the norm? No, I don't think so. I think things are just going to keep getting more efficient, especially with Intel's 10 nanometer being fixed. Yeah, there. I, I think that space is... I, I, I could see it just shrinking more and more, too, because lower power options are just a lot more viable than they used to be. (laughs) Nick Rakin writes in and says, I built my first PC this year, and in the process, I've become addicted to learning as much as possible about computer hardware. In hindsight, I think I should have waited for the AMD 5000 series. Yeah, I don't know if you should have in hindsight (laughs) uh, with what's going on right now. But it's been fun overclocking the 10900K, and I'm going to hang on to this for a while. Hey, I don't know what price you got it for. No such thing as bad products just bad prices. So, you know, if you got it for MSRP and it's what you want, I don't know. (laughs) Some people did a lot worse this year, it turns out. Um, It's going to be, he goes, it's going to be interesting to see how much things change over the next few years. As always, thanks for the content. Lastly, it's really his question. Do you think AMD can truly usurp NVIDIA for the performance crown? And I assume, this was a recent reader mail, this isn't like from the mailbag or something. I assume he's referencing after RDNA 2, right? Because we already know that RDNA 2 hasn't really taken the crown, but has made it so that if you argue NVIDIA is keeping the crown, you're like, eh, kind of, guys. I don't know. We'll see. And, and I think it, there's just no way around it. An overclocked 2.6 gigahertz 6900 XT in most games will probably beat the 3090 overclocked. So there's no way around it. You know, again, though, I guess it's ultra high resolutions, even if no one plays it, then the 3090 wins. So I guess it's again, quote-unquote, stronger. And it does ray tracing at the high resolutions better for now. So I guess NVIDIA is just like 
by one finger hanging off a cliff, clinged on to the performance crown, I would describe it. Yeah, so I think that there's going to be a lot more back and forth than there used to be. And I don't know, maybe RDNA 3 could be take the performance crown. I That wouldn't surprise me. So, and that's probably why he says truly usurp. Like, not just challenge, yeah. but like, you know, let's let's get a good old 20% win that NVIDIA can't dispute anymore. Uh, I want to focus on the way he asked the question here, where he goes, do you think AMD can truly? Yes. Why not? (laughs) This is 12 years of being a PC gamer, right? And I I mean, uh, when we got into PC gaming, especially back in 2008 through 2014, I mean, mean, uh, people say it's been so long since AMD challenged NVIDIA, but don't, don't forget that there were like six years Half of the time we've been PC gamers, it wasn't just that AMD could win. They were all the time. They were all the time, guys. Yeah, they they were trading it. And if you really think about it, it's only been like, because these generations are longer than they used to be, it's only been like four NVIDIA generations that have been... I would say Maxwell, you could even dispute it in the same way you would dispute it. Actually, I would say you could dispute if NVIDIA has the strongest card now more than with the Fury X. Yeah, probably. Because the top Titan overclocked was just beating the Fury X at everything. Yeah. There's no arguments there. So it it, it really it it's, it seems like a long time, but in some ways it's really not as long as how what it feels like. So yeah, like can they take it? Yeah, I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will at some point in the next two or three gens definitively have the performance crown for like a time. I'm not going to place any bets. Because I think NVIDIA is probably taking AMD seriously again. Yeah, that's true. And when NVIDIA's, when NVIDIA's, you know, you can bet NVIDIA's having a lot of meetings like, you know what, they almost took the crown this gen, and you can bet they're going to try harder next gen. We're not letting them turn us into Intel. So I'm not going to bet that AMD will, but I will say this. I would be surprised if they didn't truly take the crown in the next three years. So don't... By the way, don't snip this and throw this at me next year if they lose by 5%. I'm saying in the next three years, by 2023, I would be surprised if AMD didn't firmly take the crown once. And the question of can they? Yes. Yes. (laughs) AMD's done it a bunch of times. Guys, like what's even been... The Fury X was their last real attempt besides now. No, the Fury X was their last real attempt, period. Like they truly put HBM in and pulled out liquid cooling and all the stops to try to beat NVIDIA. They came up just barely short. That was back in 2015. Pascal, they didn't even try. What are you talking about? They launched, like, I think people forget how much the RX 480 wasn't even trying to compete yeah. with graphics cards with double the die size of theirs. And let's be clear, TSMC 16 nanometer was a better node than Global Foundries. And then Vega was a data center card that they sold the gamers. They never tried to take the crown. Although, God, their poor Volta marketing was so dumb. Um, and, and, and so, like, when can you even argue they didn't try to take the crown with 5700 XT? Again, less than like a third, a third the die size of NVIDIA's top card, even on 12 nanometer, that doesn't account for. Even if Turing was on 7 nanometer, they would have still had cards probably almost twice as big as AMD. This is the first time they've even bothered to try taking the crown. And they still really weren't going to try to with RDNA 2. Guys, they weren't going to launch the 6900 XT. But they decided to because they realized they could compete with the 3090 just barely. 
So they haven't even tried yet, guys, is what I'm saying. They haven't even tried. For five years, they haven't even tried to take the crown. They still haven't even tried. Oh, yeah. So, and, and everything I've heard talking to people connected to AMD is... It's been so consistent, both with people that work at AMD and people connected to AMD. It's constant hearing quotes like, we think we'll come close with RDNA 2, but RDNA 3 is when we're really going to try to make them cry. Mm -hmm. Like quotes like that. Like they're really going to try with RDNA 3. So, yep, I think they can. Yeah. And then um, Potatoes Are Life writes in and says, if there is still no travel next year, can you go out into the woods and record a live stream for Hot Chips as a throwback? <laughs> I did one from the woods in California before I caught a flight. Oh, I forgot uh, about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, guys, I think we're going to be able to travel by mid-next year. So you will see. There's a reason I bought the studio laptop. You will see me traveling, I think, much more uh, by February and onwards next year. I-, I think so, don't you, Dan? I think it's May at the earliest, honestly. But... <laughs> But I'll still probably travel. Oh, yeah. I, I'm just saying I will travel. <laughs> I'm Not as much as before. And I'll have to, I won't be doing the same things I used to do because, you know, you have to be careful. But yeah, I won't, I, I'm, I'm just I won't feel comfortable getting on a plane again until I would bet at least June next. May oh, June yeah. Next I'm talking year. about driving. Driving is fine. I can do that by myself. You can't fly a plane by yourself, Dan? No, I'm not a pilot yet. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm definitely going to get that pilot's license. You know, I'm looking over my notes then. We've we've gone through pretty much everything. The I only have two a, a few other things I want to bring up really briefly before we close out this episode. Number one, remember Google Stadia? Yeah. Remember late last year, everyone talking about how game streaming was going to be the future? Yep. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, I don't know that I have much to add to that. I just think it's funny how Google Stadia is kind of on life support. I don't even think xCloud is out of beta yet. And as much as late in mid-2019, what was it? PS Now was touted as this, at the time, one of the biggest services. It's not really grown at all. It's floundering a little too. Yeah, and people usually, even people that like actively subscribe to it, usually say it's a mixed bag. So, yeah, which I think it was in 2019. People said it was good, but it was good for the time. And now we're getting better products and people are looking at it and they're like, well, still 720p 30? Eh. Yeah, streaming just isn't there yet. It's not good enough for gaming. Two more things I want to bring up that I I noticed right before we started recording. Um, Remember Xbox running Windows and maybe selling their consoles a service? They haven't really... There's no Windows on the Xbox and half of these services really aren't still aren't fully out my opinion. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you're you now we're hearing about Phil Spencer saying that uh he wants Xbox to be an app on TVs maybe as soon as next year. So Oh yeah, I heard that. I think I mean, I guess that's still their futures. Uh, again, I think they're gonna, they really guys Xbox plans to make it a service. It's really not about the consoles. Although you have to separate the consoles from it. And I think they're going to keep putting out boxes for at least a while, but I don't, I'm curious how long. Unless the sales completely go to shit. Yeah, I'm curious how long the Xbox, like as a machine itself is going to last. I think the brand is going to exist indefinitely, but I don't know. I don't know about the console itself. Which I think is important to talk about when we talk about these consoles. When I'm comparing like Series X to PS5, I'm comparing the hardware and the games that you can get only on that hardware. because. 
That's what we do here. If you talk about Games Pass, that's an entirely different discussion. I play. I have Games Pass on PC. Yeah, I have it. <laughs> I don't see Games Pass as fighting PlayStation. I see Games Pass as this whole other service that's worth comparing to other services. Yeah, I mean, and that's just the uh, model Microsoft is moving towards. It's a more like, yeah, you sub- get a subscription service now. And that's what Xbox is. Yeah. But I don't want to get, and then the final thing, which I guess is kind of tangentially related to Xbox, teraflops, <laughs> teraflops, teraflops, teraflops. At the beginning of 2020, everyone was talking about how the teraflops were going to make the everything stronger, both Xbox and eventually Ampere. And it's all turned out to be bullshit, 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 bullshit. Vega was not stronger than Pascal. And if you've been paying attention to, PC hardware for a while, you should have known this already because this has been true so many other generations, even generations of AMD versus AMD. And everyone's like, well, these are, well, no, it doesn't matter if they're both AMD. They're still not the same design. They're not. Yeah. And it's actually interesting how well, like how comparable like Turing and the RDNA one were for, uh, Teraflops per frame yeah, rate. They, yeah. like they're very comparable. And that's, but that's not the, norm. yeah, that, and that's an outlier. And, I don't know why we forgot that so quickly, <laughs> like as a collective. You know, it, it's just because every now and then, if one company has a biggest number, they're going to advertise it as that's the number to pay attention to because that's the number they have. That's the biggest. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, I guess I will say this. The one thing that annoys me, though, is when people talk uh, that people even bring it up as often as they still do, where they're like, well, this makes this stronger. And it's like, based on what evidence? <laughs> Yeah, all no evidence suggests ter- these extra teraflops are doing anything, you know. And it, like, we might as well just advertise SSD speeds as the best thing for frame rates, or like, might as well. Yeah, I, I, I know. Hopefully, people stop talking. You know, about but teraflops that's not soon. anything unique. I mean, they practically advertise. People seem to think more video RAM means more performance too. So, like, what are we even talking about? This is never going to go away. People are just going to look at big numbers, and it's always going to be VRAM capacity teraflops and a couple other things, an amount of cores, right? And they're going to say, this means it's better. And it's like, no, actually having 64 cores didn't help me play Battlefield that much. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't know what else to say other than try to look at things holistically and not look at one specific stat because the, the whole product is, in the end, what actually matters. And that is what I will do with the other guests in the other parts of this series and on this channel through all 2021. I think that's how we will wrap this up, though, with that awesome segue to the end. <laughs> nice job wrapping wrapping my comment up in a bow, Tom. Any final words, Dan? Any last thoughts here? I mean, you'll be on again this year, of course. I mean, what, what do you want to say to the peoples? Um, don't. Spend $1,500 on an Xbox Series X or PS5. Don't do that. Oh, don't. Oh, yeah. No, no. <laughs> that, yeah. That's my, those are my final well, closing I thoughts. I don't think you need episode. to say that. I'm sure. I'm sure we've already said that about a dozen times now. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, thanks for listening, everybody. Remember, you can submit reader mail. You can submit corrections, questions, comments, concerns to us if you support us at the right tier on Patreon and also get this early and ad-free, and other die shrinks throughout December, throughout next year that are exclusive only to the patrons. You get to ask questions on loose ends. I've been told that I don't bring up the Patreon enough, so here you go. 
bringing up the Patreon. I kind of hate bringing it up because I always feel slimy. But the fact of the matter is this, especially as the YouTube subscriber count gets above 100,000, there's only so many of a widespread audience you can have. So it's really going to start coming down to if you want new types of content, if you want the channel to, you know, add more features, it's going to come down to how many patrons we have. So don't forget about us, but you're in the free feeds, you're hitchhiking, tell your friends, and we appreciate you. Have a good have a good evening, everyone, or morning or afternoon, whatever time you're listening to this. Happy holidays. There will be more to come throughout December. Bye-bye. Bye. The following podcast was brought to you by the YouTube channel and website, Moore's Law is Dead. Moore's Law is Dead and Broken Silicon are trademarks of their creator, Tom. That guy is me, and I am indeed the creator, editor, writer, and showrunner of Moore's Law's Dead podcast, videos, articles, and other media. However, Moore's Law's Dead is a team with Broken Silicon co-hosted by my brother, Dan, audio editing by Gerard Cortez, and select technical editing by Carbon Cry. You can find all of our information, including how to get a hold of us, at www.moreslawsdead.com. And if you are a fan and would like to send mail or other hardware, please mail parcels to Moore's Laws Dead, P.O. Box 10468, Peoria, Illinois, 61612. And speaking of fans, without exaggeration, the patrons are responsible for the continued distribution of the content you just listened to. And so if you have some extra money, but only if you do, please consider supporting us. For just $2 a month, you get access to the exclusive podcast, Die Shrink, voting on subjects of future podcast episodes, the ability to have your questions read aloud on Broken Silicon, Die Shrink, and Loose Ends, and of course, the Moore's Law is Dead Discord full of like-minded people who would love to meet you. I am one of them. And at higher tiers, you get access to ad-free episodes of Broken Silicon, the back catalog of Flyover States podcast, thanks in the credits of videos and podcasts and other perks as well. And if you cannot afford to support us, please just share Moore's Law is Dead videos and podcasts with friends and family on social media and Reddit. And give Broken Silicon and Flyover States a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. All of this really does help so much more than I think anyone realizes. If you'd like to advertise on the podcast or a person of interest who would like to be a guest, please reach out to the email address mlhbdead at gmail.com. But as I said, this podcast would not be possible without its fans supporting it. And so now it is time to give a personal thanks to the greatest of the fans. The following supporters are at the 10 gigahertz or higher producer levels. Matthew McMullen, Telos, Dean, Benny Berlin, Justin Yant, Thomas Rupp, I love you, Lynn and Jim Bollocks, Joshua Alvin, Muhammad Alkawari, Frederick Lau, James Crassa, Justin Parrish, Zachary Martin, Terrence Herod, Brad Medlin, Phil F., Courtney Elliott, The Ninth Dude, Greg Renegar, TSBCFS, Chrysantine, Travis Gooding, The Mechanical Philosopher, Lebo Kinkilo, Fatboy D. Saru, Daniel Hyde, D. Kunky, Christoph Novak, Jack O'Neill, Matt Salem, Aaron Close, Juan Garcia, VI Pass, Sadler Sadler, Isaiah Gosner, Alethros, Telos, Hey There's a Kitty, Greg T. Wanchuk, Jacob Barber, Exodi, Hector Santana, Matthew Lane, Joe McMorrow, Jan Rauner, Rubber Duck, Street of Full, Ali Robertson, Eric Jackson, Jonathan, Sean Grant, Evan Dingle, Dominique Cox, Stefan, Original Ross, Sam MacArthur, Total Silo, Sol Connor, Michael Costa, Andrew S., Blake, Aaron Keith, Kerry Baldino, Endless Loggins, Tom San Filippo, Justice Brennan, Ivan K., Trevor Powers, Cyan Nora, Elena, Joshua Stavnis, Daniel Nishball, Franco Frederick, Hardware Numbers, Alex Carastillo, Dark Rain 2049, Leighton Perry, Joseph Caraman, Carlos Feldas, Carnivore Bear, Magdo 226, Saber Z Birds, Licking. Matt Borzaghi, David Cowden, Ricky Tan, Granadin, Patrick J.S., Justin Staples, Freddie Canoas Jr., Christopher Foster, Kiwi Phil, Joaquim Hagen, Sarah Light, Anthony Gareffa, Matthew Griffin, Alex, Joseph Loria, Calm Marco, Deke, 
Jeezy Raman, Raul Abeneni, Master Andy Wan, Jake Dude 23, Brian Riggleman, Chris Williams, Ryan Deniscue, Dave McCoy, Valco Malev, Miss Sears, Paul Bogdan, Morton Spenson, Andrew Thomas Summers, Maurice Courtois, Matthew J. Link, Mose from Oz, My Sharona, Derek File, Roman, Jacob Stankiewicz, Jake Pym, Wakir Khan, JBG, Stephen Hart, Christopher A. Butler, Charles Antoine Futeau, Peter Moore, Chris Licata, Justin Thomas, Sam Miller, James Kitchens, Kevin Chen, Shakir, Dean Dispotsky, Paul J., My Name is Nobody, Ruben Marr, Luis Correa, John Jamison, Eshel, Dar Epstein, Luca, Anders, Bourbon, Matthew Lazier, Tim Robbins, Hardforum.com, Susanna Maria, Stu, Dystopia, Arpit Sharma, and of course, thank you to Zahara for the music. 